Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-host Joanna Belson. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill and Joanna discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. I am honored to have as a guest on the show today, Bruce Margolin, known as the 420 attorney, probably the man who knows more about cannabis and the law than any other human being, at least here in Los Angeles, you know, maybe no, in the I country. Think, I think in the country. In the country. I'll, I'll validate it. Thank um, you. How did it happen? How did it begin? How did well, you be, how did you get into that? There were so many directions of law. You could have been a really successful divorce attorney here in California. Yes, I know. I know. You know, um, uh, celebrity divorces, but you went you went into defending people charged with um, with cannabis crimes. How did it happen? Well, first of all, I probably was a little anti-establishment. You know, I wanted to get back at the, the world, so I wanted to be a criminal <laughs> defense attorney and fight for the the rights of those people in trouble. I could relate to them, and I saw myself as a uh, as an opportunity to maybe defy authority and and uh, confront the establishment. And uh, when I first became a lawyer, I became uh, involved with marijuana defense work because I was a young, you know, 25 year old kid out of school, and uh, I got a few cases. And one case I had. Um, when I first started my practice, about 10 kids busted a hippie house in, here in Hollywood, right? And they all came to me, and, and in those days, we represented multiple defendants without too much issues about conflicts of interest and things of that thing, those niceties. I think they paid me 25 bucks a piece. And the day came when the final, uh, shall we say, conclusion of the case, there was one kid left over with his case that was going to have to take some kind of a deal, you know? And it came time for sentencing, and I said, Judge, you know, I just graduated from law school recently, and um, I understand from the ABA, the American Bar Association, standards of punishment is supposed to be related to the intended wrong. I said, what's the intended wrong getting involved with marijuana? I mean, there's no harm using it. There's no uh, consequences of, of its, uh, to society. And he looked down up and looked around and looked around and looked around. He said, well, young man, he broke the law. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to beat this problem in the courtroom. I'm going to have to get out of the courtroom. I'm not going to change the law in the courtroom. So I, I went into the area of, of the politics of pot at that point. I started an organization in 1968 called CAMP, the Campaign to Abolish the Marijuana Prohibition which later on uh, morphed into my um, organization, Los Angeles Normal, the national organization before marijuana laws in 1973. So along the way, I defended thousands of these marijuana cases, and it was a great honor to do that because I could truly really fight the fight with no issue about some moral de- you know, issues about, did they, are they really bad people? No, they're good people getting in trouble. And my mushroom, my practice mushroomed greatly you know, by the time I was 29 years old, I had uh, six lawyers working for me and about 20 employees. And here I was a young kid. You know, I lived two blocks away from where we are right now in North Hollywood and graduated from Valley College and the Southwestern Law School at night and sold women's shoes to get there. So I really uh, had a great career, and it took off immediately. And I'm proud to say I've defended more marijuana cases than any lawyer in the country. 
But along the way, I ran for public office as well. Because as I mentioned to you a minute ago, I could see the fight wasn't going to be able to be completed in the courtroom unless you could somehow convince the the, uh, the establishment and the, and the and the judges that the laws were too irrational to justify their continuation of punishment. So I could see the politics of pot was necessary. So I ran against a 26-year incumbent here in the area we are right now. His name was um, Charles Conrad. He was a Republican. Didn't do much over those 26 years. He had been an actor like so many people in the past, like Ronald Reagan. And uh, I won the primary, and I almost beat this guy by about uh, less than 5%. And it really opened up the whole West Side uh, to the politics of um, legalization of marijuana. I went to India at that time to seek my enlightenment. And uh, the Berman Waxman organization uh, promoted the legalization of marijuana as, as well as I did. And over the years, that's what I've been doing. I've been defending fighting cases and, and defending uh, people that are in trouble. I've ran for office many times. I ran for U.S. Congress under the marijuana legalization platform and as uh, for governor of California. And I was uh, awarded uh, the title by the Secretary of State as Marijuana Legalization Attorney is my title, which showed just that alone could get a great amount of votes. So I try to persuade other politicians like Jerry Brown and people like that to you know, take up the banner of the legalization. And um, as you can see, we finally came to a place now where it's finally turned around after 50 years. But during those 50 years, a lot of people suffered not only the individuals were busted, but their families and their futures. And it was terribly unjust and very unfair and very sad that we had to go through this terrible period in California where so many people were, uh, has been, have been so terribly affected by the, the law. So now we've passed Prop 64, which not only legalized marijuana in some levels, which I'll be glad to explain to the audience, as we started in this conversation before we came on, I love talking about myself, but <laughs> beyond that, I'd like to be able to inform the public because the best way to stay out of trouble is to know the laws and know your rights. And even though we have legalization, it's only limited in certain aspects, and it's important for people to know what is legal now and what isn't. So as I've continued to do over 23 years, I put out this guide on marijuana laws. Which I, I actually have an autographed copy from yes. you. Yes, <laughs> and so, um, and I put out thousands of them, okay? It's good for business, obviously, but it's also good for the public. And in there, I, put, I lay out everything that's necessary to know about the pot laws, including from criminal to criminal work to, to uh, medical marijuana laws and to all the licensing laws because I've now morphed into a licensing business lawyer. I was going to ask, so which, now that yeah. the, it's legal, are your cases less but you've oh now yeah there's a hard very few pot cases you know somebody wanted to legalize marijuana messed up my business i don't know who that guy <laughs> was you know i was just kidding no anyways there's so the, also the rest of america let's not forget uh -huh. it's also the rest of america yeah i know it's spread it all over the country not, it is in california you see where your law degree has reciprocity yes <laughs> and so uh, now i'm doing this licensing of business law which helps people that otherwise could be in trouble by getting legal licenses but it's an expense it's a business, it's business law. And so I do that a lot with my daughter, Allison, who's also a lawyer. She graduated from Columbia Magnum Cum Laude and Harvard Law School. 
She's very smart. Got a little, we got a team of people working on this licensing. So we do it all over the state and some out of state as well. So that's my practice now. It's not the same kind of inspiration I had defending people in trouble. It's about making the money, honey. But it, behind it is, the, is that we have the, we're, we're providing the sacred herb that is so important to society to be able to have available to legalized marijuana. You know, it, it boggles the mind to consider that for a long time now, marijuana has been a Schedule One drug up there with some really dangerous drugs. Um, it, it, it makes no sense. It, it made no sense at the beginning. Uh, what were the roots of that? The, most of it is racism and, um, and the, 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 um, the pharmaceutical companies that resisted it because it was a competition and um, ignorance. And you know, the perceived users for marijuana were the black musicians and the Hispanic Americans, which was a lot of um, animosity towards them because of the fear that the whites had that they would somehow be, you know, uh, they would take their beautiful girls from them, the black musicians and the, and the Mexicans, but they, they didn't like them, and so they saw they used weed. So if you look at the congressional records of the discussions about making marijuana illegal, you would see the comments that were made were clearly evident that it was behind the racist attitudes. Now, in California, we had the first bust in 1915, okay? Right here in Sonora Town, which now is like Alvera Street. And unfortunately, it, kept, it was a felony in those days, punished by state prison from zero to five years for any amount. And that's how I started my practice. And don't think people didn't go, go down like that. For example, I'll give you one example of this woman I defended, is Timothy Leary, who was a former Harvard professor, 50 years old at the time, got busted for a couple OZs in Laguna Beach, and the judge held up a magazine. He wrote in the Free Press an article about the duties of a drug dealer to Partake the herb with or the drug with the client and explain to them the importance of helping them go through the process of whatever they want to experience. And the judge saw that as a promotion of marijuana and other drugs, gave him state prison. And here was a guy with no record, Harvard professor, went to prison from zero to five years, okay? So that's what we were dealing with. And over the years, we fought, 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 fought. Of course, we had the medical marijuana that became evident of the value of that, and that we mentioned earlier, I think someone here had people that have had the experience of how valuable that could be. Dennis Perone in, in San Francisco led the fight. He was involved with the helping the people with the AIDS epidemic and convinced the locals there that the importance of providing an opportunity to be able to have that available to people. Started one of the first cannabis buyers club, is called the Oakland Buyers Club. And from that, that um, developed into Senate Bill 420. Well, first Prop 215, which was the first medical marijuana legalization laws in the United States. It was called the Compassionate Use Act. And from there, we passed what is called Senate Bill 420. They provided for um, collectors and co-ops to be able to um, uh, put together groups of people and the dispensaries were the locations where they would come. And so those, all those laws still exist. Prop 215 still exists, the Compassionate Use Act. 
that allows patients to possess and cultivate marijuana in the amounts that's reasonably necessary for their current medical needs. However, Prop 64 terminated what's called Senate Bill 420, which provided collectors and co-ops. Those collectors and co-ops were limited to nonprofit organizations, okay? And the laws were very difficult to, uh, to go through the process of defending them because they were subject to so much interpretation. And one of the purposes of my guide that I mentioned earlier, the Margolin Guide to State and Federal Marijuana Laws, listed all the current medical marijuana cases that were relevant to defending these cases, and the lawyers were able to use those to defend the cases and be successful at it. But the laws were only as good as those who enforce it and those who interpret it. And the DAs that sometimes argue uh, the, the cases in a way that were not appropriate and the judges would go along with it. So they'd have to hit those to the Court of Appeals. And it took years for the Court of Appeals to decide on how the laws are going to be interpreted. And meanwhile, people suffered. And I had thousands of cases of people busted for collectors and co-op activities. And it was very tough for people that were in trouble because most of them didn't understand the laws or their rights. And that's part and parcel why I presented this um, this book. Do you have people who, cases you've defended, they happen to be in jail, and now because the laws have changed, have been released or yes, gone yes, back to uh, appeal yes. those cases? I, it was wonderful, yeah. What happened with Pass Prop 64, it uh, changed the laws regarding marijuana possession for sale, cultivation, sales of marijuana, etc., to misdemeanors from felonies. So the people who were in prison at that time because the law was retroactive, meaning that it meant that those, had those laws been in place at the time they got arrested, they have to now interpret the laws based upon the oh, new okay. laws with misdemeanors. So people that were in prison got out. We had to make motions to do that, but all of them are out now. So it was a wonderful thing to happen. But are, there are still people in jail for these. They just need you as a lawyer to help them. No. <laughs> well, they are, but they're not there for simple possession or Got possession it. for sale or sales, okay? They might be there for act other activities like manufacturing with you know, with um, with um, volatile substances, and that's still a felony in California. Got it. It's not so much a marijuana offense as it is an offense that endangers others because they blow themselves up or, and they blow up their houses and right. other people so that they don't let people manufacture with volatile substances, unless they have a license, and we have licensing for I think that's a great that. idea. We have licenses for everything. <laughs> so, with that said, let me have, have some uh, some more specific inquiries you might have. Okay, wait, were you scorned by the rest of the profession when you began uh, defending marijuana cases? Well, I wasn't scorned. I just say it was, I was considered kind of an oddball. I, I have one of my things about my guide. I put in some of these wonderful articles about me. And here's one I have in my guide from 1968 or 69. It was from the Southwestern Journal, which is why what the law school banquet speaker advocates legalizing marijuana. And it was kind of a shock that uh -huh. a lawyer would even do such a thing because it was considered such a marijuana was like people thought of it as, as the, you know, the most dangerous drug you could imagine. Was your family supportive? Well, my yes, they were. Okay, my, my, that helps. Uh, they were hip to it. But as a matter of fact, when I lived on Houston, which is two blocks from where we are right now, the cross street where some Hispanic people lived, and remember they were busted for marijuana, was also terrible. You know, oh my God, people in the neighborhood had marijuana. 
And so, I mean, you don't know. You you grew up with it yourself. You're my age. Yeah. You know the the the, the yellow journalism around marijuana, how dangerous it was. And yeah, look, and, look. I I mean, I and my friends, and of course it was with great irony, would you know go to many midnight screenings of Reefer Madness, mm-hmm. and we laughed and laughed and laughed. But then we'd realize that was taken as gospel. Mm-hmm. When when that film came out in what early thirties, yeah, uh-huh. it was not seen as a um, as 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 a joke for for heads to um, go in and and just laugh their, their their butts off at at midnight. It was seen as a documentary. This was mm-hmm. how it is, mm-hmm. and it was like ter- it was terrifying to to realize the the. The completely wrong image. I know it was terrible. The, um, the none of us behave like that. None of us knew anyone who behaved like that. Even the modern crazed. movies are silly like that. Like they're still doing it, right? They're all using the same stereotype that we're trying to break down. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're stupid. Let's smoke some pot and not get co- anything done and just eat and sit on the couch. A couple of cases came down in the early '40s and '30s. Okay, where people use marijuana defense, claiming that's where they committed these horrific crimes, and they were actually able to successfully win their cases based upon that they were under the influence of marijuana. So that also fanned the flames of this misbelief about marijuana. Even films as recent as The Big Lebowski, a wonderful Mm -hmm. film, but he's a stoner, and Mm -hmm. he's completely befuddled. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, um, uh, you get a feeling that... the, the the sense of the stoner as as someone who's just um, you know walks into walls has not has not vanished even to this day. Well, clearly well, someone needs to write a screenplay <clears throat> about like the productive stoner who gets stuff done. <clears throat> well, I got to tell you, I, I see a whole complete, completely different attitude about it now. Okay, um, I just I just read an article the other day in L.A. Times about the number of politicians that have been formerly in office, from senators to congressmen, they're all in the pot business now, okay? And uh, what happened is that people realized the value of the medical use of it, and these politicians couldn't resist having to um, deny the medical use of it. So I think it's turned around quite a bit. And um, let's face it, it is an intoxicant to some degree, and some people are completely have feeling that that's inappropriate for people to use anything to affect their mental state, uh, whether it's marijuana or whether it's other pharmaceutical drugs. So that still lies in the in the background of people's thinking. But you know, I mean, we've done numerous seminars for people, particularly on on the use of CBD as a uh, as a, a painkiller mm-hmm. and, and uh, to help sleep. And the people who show up for the seminar are our age, mm-hmm. they're, they're, and, and older. You know, we've had people in their 80s, probably in their 90s, who just, they've tried every every form of, um, of pain medication. They certainly don't want to go the route of opioids. And this seemed like something that was harmless and would work. And it was a little tricky to get their hands on, but not that tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are there are CBD products that can be found at um, at, at Target and CVS mm-hmm. and Best Buy. So it's it's not, it's not it's it's not that far off the off the map. The wonderful the weird part of it is that CBD is not authorized in California. Okay, it cannot be done. It cannot be it cannot be produced or offered as an edible. Number one, the FDA has not approved of it. Mm-hmm. The state of California is in my guide hasn't passed the CBD laws when it comes to making it from hemp. It can be made from right. cannabis, which means marijuana, and it has, you have to have a license to do it, okay? 
So, so what about all these people in Kentucky who are farming the hemp? Well, as I indicate, there's a lot of, all over the country they're doing it, but the law's not being enforced, okay? Okay, got it. So they're getting, they're getting away with it, but technically it's not kosher. And uh, if you look at my guide, I got an article on CBD, and it took me a lot of stress to get it right because it was confusing. It's still confusing. And, and I, it's just one of the extracts. I mean, you know, over the next few years, yeah. we'll see so many other extracts emerging. We've yeah. had people on who, who are manufacturers. They say this, this is, you know, much of the research, as you know, is being done in Israel. Yes. And, um, uh, they, 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 they don't even know what's next. They know that there are hundreds of compounds within of which very few are known and of which seemingly very few are actually intoxicants. The rest have medical efficacy. Mm-hmm. They, they help. They just help. Yeah, I see it as a sacred herb given to us by the divine, okay? Yeah. And I think it's been used for thousands of years, as you know, by all It grows all as a weed. Everywhere in the world, <laughs> and the history of the use of pot is obvious, and back with the Egyptians and before that, I mean, it's, it's, it's always been part of mankind. There's two things that they say that has been in my, mankind's culture, and that is dogs and pot, okay? <laughs> Anywhere in the world, the, the animals, of, you know, dogs and pot has been there always in every culture, and it continues all over the world. And they're both worth having around. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it, uh, it, it was a terrible, misguided, and unfortunate time in our world that we've had these terrible, horrific laws, putting people in prison and jails. And there's many reasons for it. First of all, it's a bread and butter of cops, okay? They made, you know, they could, you know, they could do their job, taking down wheat bros and sit there for four hours, counting how many plans they had and getting double time and overtime, and the jails were filled up, uh, which was good for a lot of people that, for instance, the, uh, the contracts on on the, the forks and the knives and the spoons used in jails and the clothing in jails. and I mean, it's a big and complicated uh, reasons why marijuana continued to be put down and made criminal and and, uh, and the, they fanned the flames of all these misinformation about it. I would love to know about the first time you partook in your cannabis experience. Well, I wasn't a pothead until I went to law school. Okay. And I think it was like my second year okay. that um, one of my ex-girlfriends invited me over and it got stoned. And uh, I still wasn't really, uh, you know, it, it wasn't part of my culture at that time. I lived here in North Hollywood. And... Uh, it wasn't typical for people my age at that time to use it regularly. But then as I became a lawyer and was introduced by all the hippies, became into my life and they introduced me not only to pot but to Eastern philosophy, I began using herb ever since, okay? And, um, and I've used weed for 50 years and I think it's, for me it's been very, for me it, it's been good, okay? I'm in, very good physical shape. You look amazing. I'm, I'm a yogi, you know, and a stoner, and I'm proud of it. And um, and uh, what can I say? To each his own, you know. But have you tried vaping? I, yeah, does it, does it I, I, I tried it. I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. No. 
we're, we're, we're worried here on the show about it. Well, you know, it, it seemed it seemed yeah. convenient. It seemed like a blessing. It yeah. seemed wonderful. Yeah. And then it seemed very dangerous. Well, I know uh, Dale from California Normal loves vaping, and he's fighting desperately to maintain its legitimacy as far as at least leaving it in the dispensaries where they do the testing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's saying there's no reason to deny people to have access to it if it's been properly tested and vented by the analysis which is required for the dispensaries that are legalized and have licensing. So we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be okay, but right now there's undetermined consequences. Apparently they found some other adulterants, and for example, um, vitamin D, that if you smoke it somehow to fix your lungs. And so... You know, me, I like flour, okay? Yeah. And that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Me too. As, <laughs> okay, we're up to how many states now have have, have legalized think, or semi-legalized? I think, I think 32. My God, I listed. And it, by 32, do you mean uh, medical plus recreational? Or is that, that's not, that's not me, all recreational? Let me just see here. I just happened to lay it out here in the beginning of my guide. Let me see if I can see how many it was. It but must make you crazy trying to. Oh, you can't keep up with it. To, to well, well, to to reconcile the different laws from state to state to state because it it is a state law. It is, and each state is going to have a very different not set of laws. Not only that, it's not only that. Each city and county has their own uh, ability to regulate the way they please, and many of them have denied even the right to grow yeah, we, marijuana. We, we were told that here in California, even though. You know, in Los Angeles, we think it's it's legal. Actually, in much of the state, it's not. Right. Yeah. More, more, yeah. About three quarters of the state is not legal. Which okay. comes as a great surprise. I thought California. Yeah. We're like good. in the center of it all, right here in North Hollywood. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. and the problem here is there's so many illegal shops still running in this neighborhood. So they're selling the vapes that haven't been tested, and they're the ones that are getting the press because people are getting sick. Well, I'll tell you what the law is, okay? Let's get down. I'm sure the public probably knows, but I'll explain it to you, okay? Prop 64, which was passed in 2016, November, provided that marijuana be legal for adults over 21 to possess up to an ounce, that's it, and grow up to six live plants in their residence. So that means you have to have a home or you have to lease a home, or you have to have an apartment or a condo where the landlord doesn't object to you using it, okay? So that's very limited in what legalization really consists of. You can't smoke in public, you can't smoke in your car, you can't transport it in your car. As a patient, you can transport it if you have an unsealed container, but it's gotta be closed. As a non-patient, it's gotta be sealed in the car, in a bag or otherwise, so you can't get to it. So it's very limited, the legalization, all kidding aside. It sounds like it's, it's a big deal, but it's not, unfortunately. And so also um, they've legalized up to um, eight grams of hash, okay? And again, uh, it's up to an ounce of weed and six live plants, that's it. Now each city and county has their own autonomy to decide how they want to regulate. They can regulate any way they want to. They can make it 25 plants per person to grow in their backyard, for example. Or they can make it 100 plants if they want to. Or they can make it no plants you can grow, except the ones in your house are protected. And it's one of the things I've been fighting for 
is what's called on-site consumption licenses, okay? Particularly in the city of Los Angeles. That means right now, and I argue with the council and other people there, I say, we invite people to California from all over the states, including all over the country, to buy a herb from our dispensaries, but there's no place to smoke it legally. You come here on vacation, you go home on probation. Okay, that's my joke. <laughs> but anyway, so um, uh, one of the things I want, as a, as a with my hat, wearing, my normal hat, the National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, and as a personal advocate, is promoting on-site consumption locations where we can go into a place, hang out, like the buyers clubs in San Francisco, not only because of the right to be able to smoke legally, but the camaraderie, the culture, the importance of being able to sit with other people together and talk about what strains may help you or just to hang out is so important to our society. Here in West Hollywood, there's a cannabis cafe. Yeah, have you been up, been to the Lowell Cafe yet? I can't afford to go there. <laughs> I heard, I haven't been either. I heard it's I, pricey, I, but they have a great they menu. They charge admission? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just a, they have a chef yeah, menu, right. so it's, okay. I'm sure, on the yeah, more no, pricey I look, side. I, I got an award last year from uh, the West Hollywood, city of West Hollywood. Uh, it was presented to me by Cat Packer, who is the head of the Department of Cannabis Regulation in the city of Los Angeles. Very nice woman. And my award was the Trailblazer of the Year because of my work trying to get these on-site consumption licenses for the city and for my work in Normal. And so the city of Los Angeles, of West Hollywood is one of the few places that has it, but they only have two or three shops, apparently. Yeah. Only one's open at the moment. There's all kinds of bantering about what's legal, what's not. Now up in, up in Northern California, in Oakland, I believe they have, I went to a few of them up there, but it's not a very ivory place, okay? They got a bunch of vapor, you know, what do you call them, the volcanoes, people smoking volcanoes, you know. But it's not like it was in the good old days under the Cannabis Buyers Club where people would camaraderie come together. And we have, we, they're denying us the right of association here, okay? They're denying us the constitutional right of being able to participate together by denying us a reason, a place to really use it. But you know, we're also we're here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. um, and perhaps I'm I'm being delusional, but you know we have some serious crime out there. We got some some really bad stuff happening every single day. We got we my got kid's school jackets. gets a weekly security call that someone is approaching the fence, talking to kids through it, or trying to yeah. kidnap them right here. So I mean, Sorry, do the police here that. actually even bother anymore? No, no. Good. They really don't give a shit. You know why? <laughs> they can't get any blood out of these cases. Okay, mostly. I mean, they're not misdemeanors. They're not, they don't want to go to court. Can I hang for a pizza shop, you know, smoking a reefer? Who's going to, I mean, wh why would you bother with that? Yeah. Didn't you see straight out of Compton? You, uh, <laughs> they're not bothering with it. There's very few prosecutions of these cases now, okay? And, uh, which well, that's, and that's thanks to you. Well, in part, and it is. I did do a lot to it, but I was just kidding. Look at my practice. It went upside down, my guys. Anyway. That's a good thing, though. That means yeah. you've done your work. That know. You know, that's a success it, it, metric, it really, in my I, opinion. I feel, so, I feel so vindicated, and I'm, I'm held with great esteem in my, in my, with my comrades and the courts. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, over the years, have convinced them that I, I played a very legitimate um, level. I never... I got any kind of uh, any trouble. I didn't. I didn't make. I didn't. I wasn't disrespectful to the system. 
I was always uh, a good lawyer, always prepared, but I was always down for this legalization effort, and people respect that. And now I'm, I'm, I'm held in great esteem, and I'm, I'm a big hero, uh, but meanwhile, my practice is not the same as it was before. I'm doing these licensing laws, which are good. There's money to be made there, but it's a different world. Can I ask you a question about what do you um, your opinion on like these people who have medical licenses? They need to travel with their medicine, and now because it's illegal state to state, what do they do? Do people call you because they they're in Florida? They are they at the airport and TSA got them? Yeah, but I'm telling you what's happening in California. For example, TSA finds less than an ounce, they give it to local cops and they throw it away. Right. Okay. So and you can I, fly within yeah, California yeah. with cannabis. Arguably, yes. Okay. They advertise it at the airport now. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. They say it's safe within California. Okay. Well, you can in California you can you can possess up to an ounce, which is legal, and you can travel with it. Okay. So that's that's one aspect of it. All right. And so, um, and the TSA has their own rules because they're federal rules, but they don't seem to be enforcing those. You know. It's a question of who enforces what. And your point is well taken. The cops are not really busting people. They don't give a crap because, again, I think it's because it's not worth their time any longer. And this whole... There are uh, bigger fish to fry, as, they, yes. as we used to say. And they used to say, oh, my God, everybody's going to be driving around off AFU, you know, all fucked up, excuse the expression. And this just hasn't happened. We don't have many DUI marijuana cases at all, okay? And... Um, you know, I remember we used to argue before we legalized weed. We said nothing's going to change. Dogs aren't going to have kittens. <laughs> cat, cat, cats aren't going to have puppies. Nothing's going to change. It's, it's going to be the same. And well, it's even, men are having babies, though. <laughs> Is that Bruce, right? <laughs> I think a man had one. I hope not. Bruce Marglin, you are a hero to us. <laughs> and me? thank you for being on. I hope we can have you back on. There's so much more to discuss oh, here. I have a wonderful time. But I want to say that if people do have questions or concerns, they can go to my website, 420laws.com, read my guide. They can call me about anything that they're concerned about as well, 1-800-420-LAWS. And um, I'm available, and I'm glad to help no people. No one understands the laws better than you. Bruce Marglin, thank you for being on High on the Hog. We are, we are hey, honored. Hey, thank you, for your, thank you for your being so nice to me. And say such nice things about me. We'd I be otherwise. It. Why are most people mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's Meryl Schindler. It's Joanna Bellison. It's Phil Gian Grande. It's High in the Hog, the podcast. You know what I think of what time it is right now? 420. <laughs> <laughs> Does your watch always read 420? Uh, no, but I did bring a little. I did bring a little potty. You guys want to take a talk? <laughs> sure. Okay, I'll bring it in. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening in. Find the Hog, it's your one place to find information about medical cannabis, about the stuff that's really the talk of the world. Find us on iTunes, find us on Amazon, find us on the internet. High in the Hog, the podcast.com. That's High in the Hog, the podcast.com. Tell a friend.